time for a change. Strap your headphones on and join Chris, Scott, and Sean. Three active-duty police officers in the Chicago suburbs. As they face the tough subjects, including police brutality, racial tension, rioting, and more. Weekly, you'll get tips and tricks on how to keep you and your family safe, what to do during traffic stops, how to handle domestic violence, and more. This This is is a show about about opening a dialogue, accepting that something has to be done, and bringing communities together again. And now your hosts, Chris, Scott, and Sean. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Three Cops Talk. As usual, this is Sean, one of your hosts. And as usual, I'm down one of the three cops. Uh, Uncle Chris is finally getting that roller coaster shipped in from the Ukraine. Um, and he's tied up with that right now. He may join us later. Um, it's really hard to move money bags like that, like, you know, quietly. Um, now that they're auditing you for more than $600 in your bank account at a time through the IRS. So uh, Chris, is he's still figuring things out on that level. But Scott is here with me from the great yeah. I land Lincoln. Big Sergeant Scott has joined us. And uh, today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about rivalries, you know, things that like, you know, don't get quite to the point where the rest of the society is right now where we, we, we think we have to kill each other just because we disagree about something. You know what I mean? Like politically, the divide in America, as we've talked before in the past about the show, um, like the divide's becoming so problematic that um, we haven't been kind of unified on things in a while. But, you know, our guest today is going to really show you how much, although she's a little different, and I said she, so that's giving it away. That's the S in front of the he, which means it's a she. <laughs> it's her preferred pronouns as well. Um, it's still the men are in it because the he is in there. Right? Anyway, but um, rivalries are fun because it's like you can go back to like when you were a kid, the rivalries that, that existed, like where I grew up in New Jersey, it was like the New York Yankees versus the Mets. It was the Giants and the Jets. And then I thought like, oh, those are pretty intense rivalries. And then I moved to the Chicago area and I realized that wasn't even a rivalry at all. It was like the North side and the South side, like literally it's like the Mason Mason Dixon line of baseball. And my wife would probably know the street and the actual district that the street was in where it was because Chicago's on this huge grid system. But the rivalries that existed in Chicago really, I did sports wise. Chicago's a sports town. If you don't know a lot about Chicago, you've never been there. It's got a lot of culture, a lot of arts, a lot of crime, a lot of murder. Um, but it also, it's a, it is a primarily a sports town. And when you come to Chicago, you are like, man, they feed you a lot. And damn, they talk about sports quite a bit. Like the Hawks, Blackhawks used to be rivals with the Detroit Red Wings. And then, the NHL divided them up differently out of the Norris. You should come the, back and work for the Chicago Visitor Bureau. With that, I should, I should. With that layout right, of Chicago, right. like wait, wait, please stay, please be my friend. Don't leave. Don't leave. Lakefront don't leave. and murders. Yeah, right. Lakefront murders. Murders. High taxes. Magmile, murders. High taxes. High taxes. High taxes. Everyone's nice to you to your face. So <laughs> you, we kind of got that going for us. Um, but Scooter, what rivalries do you remember in your life? Was it like was it more uh, well, cartoon based? Well, I mean, like, well, <laughs> DC, DC, uh, Marvel, or was it? Was uh, it something different than that? No, I think it was mostly sports stuff here. I mean, uh, Cubs and Sox was always the big one here. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. our our house was Cubs fans, still is, but uh, in in my married life, there's I got a lot of Southsiders there. So the Sox, you know, you got a lot of that back and forth. That was always a big thing. Although you know, even with all that, I got to say, and it doesn't make people like traders or anything but you know sometimes when there's when there's championships going on you'll still get people maybe you know a little bit cheering on the 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 north side or the south side but that was that was primarily it for us yeah i mean like when i came to chicago i was like when maybe when the french were here trying to 
keep the North and the South, like which side are we going to pick here? Which ones where how are we going to like finally work it out? And then, you know, we destroyed each other to the point where like, we'll forget it. We'll figure it, we'll figure it out ourselves. But you stood there and watched people. You're like, how did this rivalry get so intense? You know, you almost forget your route. And professionally, what I didn't quite realize is that we have a rivalry with our brothers and sisters in the fire service. That's like, seriously, professionally, I think it's unmatched. I mean, I, maybe I'm being very cloistered and, uh, insular as they say but i don't know scooter what do you think like uh yeah i mean there's definitely you know i've got a lot of friends uh, firefighters and paramedics and some of our own co-workers um have sons and daughters that are going into that 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 civil servants realm so yeah there's always some good rivalry there we've 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 and especially where we work we've uh we've always had a little bit of that going on and uh you know, the jokes, the jokes are the best, like the, the firefighter police officer jokes, you know, those are good. Uh, I've got a, a, a friend who's a, a fire lieutenant in a suburb and he sends me, you know, I get the memes, the pictures of like, oh, you know, it's the, the cop holding the fire hose and you wish you were doing this kind of stuff. And right, then, right, know, right, I, right. I've always got right. some good stuff to throw back, but it's, I mean, at the end of the day, we all go out there and do a dangerous job. And when we're in the thick of it, when we're actually on those things where we're working together. We're still making fun of each other. Yeah, you're right. We're still, <laughs> right. We're still making fun of each other. We still have the same dark humor, you know, of some of the terrible things that we see. And there's a lot of that that goes back and forth between the police and fire for sure. But um, over my 21 years, I've, I've worked with a lot of great firefighter paramedics and been in a lot of scenarios where they've been looking out for us and, and vice versa. Yeah, so let's get into some of the information here about our guest today that I found via LinkedIn, and I was looking at her uh, profile. I was stalking her, basically. It's all I was doing. <laughs> straight. And I was just sugar don't sugarcoat yeah, it. Really don't sugarcoat right. it. And this is like where I'm such a rookie <laughs> with social media. I was like, how did she know I was stalking her? Like, am I that bad? And it, well, it's well, it's LinkedIn. If you don't pay for that premium LinkedIn, people are like, this weirdo was looking at your profile. But the real reason I was looking at it is because she does some really excellent things we'll get into here with mental health related to first responders like we talk a lot about on this show. But she's been a firefighter paramedic for 19 years. When you see her, you're going to be a, what, did you get hired when you were two? Um, but she's a veteran of the fire service. Uh, so when you're watching this show and you're watching for clips on social media, you're going to see what I'm talking about. She is also a statewide family caregiver support coordinator for the Florida firefighter safety and health collaborative and a co-chair of their mental wellness team. She's a national trainer for mental health first aid USA and a content developer for the fire EMS specialty module. At the request of National Council for Mental Well-Being, she's advocated for support and fundraising of mental health awareness education at congressional staff briefings in Washington, D.C. So that right there should let you know how brave she is. Um, most recently, she's published an article titled Beyond PTSD, Moral Injury and in First Responders, it was published in the Firehouse magazine. Uh, and it's a topic she believes is the largest contributing factor for suicide amongst public servants. So without further ado, guys, please welcome Michelle Fayed, firefighter Fayed. paramedic Fayed. Fayed. You yeah, said Fayed I get, last time. Listen, with a, with a last name like that, you get stopped at TSA no matter what oh you do. God. So I like well, to like bring right, it down right, and out. Right, you know right, what yeah. I mean? So, you, I, stopped. so has that been changed? Is that like you change your name? Like you're a movie star and you don't want people to not like, like you? Is that, or is <laughs> no. that what you're telling me? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Firefighter paramedic. 
Fayette. I'm just so glad you're Fayette. coming. You're talking to us from Florida. That, I'm right, most right. jealous of that. Be, oh, Shh. She is everything else. She's a great sport, as you guys can tell. Like I totally (laughs) dropped that ball on purpose to see if she would get on me. (laughs) Right. And uh, no, she is she is super cool. Uh, Michelle, can you tell us a little bit about your background, yourself, things like that, so our listeners can get to know you? uh, Because you are a lot of fun, and uh, you're a very interesting human being. Okay. Well, um, that's a really broad question. No pressure. Yeah. Right. Talking about myself is not. That's where I always have note cards that come in, and then the rest right, of it I'm right, going to right, go. Right, right. She's she's uh, reading her own LinkedIn profile. Yeah, right. Just back I'm to stalking you. myself. Right. <laughs> like, on a scale of pain, is this a one or a ten? Right. You know what I mean? Like I'm giving you that, like they in the back of the wagon. Can you tell me how much it hurts. Uh, um. All right. So I grew up. I was born and raised in South Florida. Um, I come from an amazing family. I have two amazing parents. Um, I was a fire explorer down here. So that branch of the Boy Scouts that you can join when a certain uh, public safety career or something interests you. So I became a fire explorer at 14 um, and did a lot of ride times and classes and things like that. And I was very blessed. Um, I got certified on my own and very blessed to get hired by the same department I did explorers with. Um, And I've been with them for 19 years. And um, uh, what else? Uh, I have an ex-husband paid a lot to say that. And it makes me happy. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> there's that one over the bow. And yeah, right. <laughs> just get so, that out there. Get, yeah, out. Right. get your freaking helmets on. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was in the army. So I was an army wife for a brief period. Um, he mm-hmm. lives with post-traumatic stress disorder. So wow. um, I have 15 years of experience, lived experience with someone oh, wow. who, who lives with that. Um, right. But I do have one amazing daughter. And for that, I have so much gratitude. She is yeah. my jam. So um, I guess that's the holistic who I am. Yeah, very. Uh, it was a really good vanilla description of your life. It was really good. I'm sure there's like... <laughs> It's more like moose tracks in there, ice cream wise. Oh but God. that's uh, I forgot that, the halo by the bag. Can you right, give me a right, second? Right, yeah, they would have bag on, right? Um, Any other firefighters in your family? No, no, other, no. none. Okay. I remember when I told my parents I want to be a firefighter. I love my dad. My dad turned to me and he's like, no, 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 you can be a midwife. And I was like, no, 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 no. That is so <laughs> not the arena for Hot me. water and towels. Yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, not you know, to knock anyone who's a midwife. It is a respectable sure. job, but I've delivered babies. And I remember in medic school when I had to do my rotation on the maternity floor and bless this woman, she's, she's about to deliver her everything. Right. And she looks at me and she goes, can you get the mirror? And I was like, Oh, are you sure? Like, I just like, it's just not where I it's supposed to be <laughs> like people people that's a myth by the way it's, you talk about a rivalry between husband and wives like the, the rivalry between husband and wives exists in the fact the joy of childbirth it's ask not. a dude what he thinks of that and ask a woman what she thinks of that and you're going to get really really different answers really i found that to be i'm going to tell you hand of god the most frightening thing i ever witnessed in my life yeah, um, there was a reason I... that back in the 50s he used to stay in a diner and hand out cigars while you were a fedora <laughs> Hey, it's a boy. You know, guys, everybody in the diner. And it, it, it is one as a man, it is completely humiliating to you because you're like, oh man, holy crap. 
she's still in the fight. Like, you know what would happen yeah. to us if something like that would have happened? Like, you literally, like, you're like, oh my God, there's the baby's head. Oh, that's part of the head. You know, my God, you're like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. And then I had this doctor. It was a cultural thing. He comes up to me and goes, oh, gosh. Yeah, how, how do you like it? I'm like, I, <laughs> I was like, get me yeah. out of here. Like, I didn't want to be anywhere near. It's like, because you felt so, honestly, you feel so helpless. Like, I, I was just, I was, I was mocked by the, by the nurses on our firstborn because I'm standing just off to the side. I don't know what to do. And, and the baby's coming and, and they're like, do you want to see? I said, no. No, I don't know. I got 30 years to go. I do not. And, and I was apparently get like turning it's, I mean, we still laugh about it. I, I was turning very white and the nurses are like, here's my wife having the baby yet. They have to tend to me like yeah, right, I'm waiting right. for them to come to me with a cold washcloth to pat yeah. my head. Scott like, actually asked for the epidural. <laughs> I heard that. That's the rumor they're, down here. They're like, they, they, they're saying to me, can we get you a chair? Do you want to sit down? And I'm like, I'm ruining the delivery experience. Cause I, I they think I'm going to pass out in there. Well, meanwhile, some, your wife's get... like, buck up. Right. Boss. Yeah, right, 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 right. Seriously. Right. Like she's, she's looking over at me. Like, right, right. <laughs> she's holding the tray You're that she's puking into. Yeah. And I'm, and, and I'm, I'm the guy who's like, oh, I'm feeling faint. You know? yeah, right, right. And he's like, can, can I, can I have some jello? And they're like, for your wife, she can't eat right now. So I'm like, no, that's for me. It's funny. Chips. <laughs> yeah, right. Job on the ice chips. Um, I don't know what that does other than annoy people. Like, can you stop doing that? I'm having a baby. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Um, but anyway, obviously I got tangential. Uh, but my cousin <laughs> was a firefighter for a little while. He was a volunteer firefighter, and he coined the phrase, this is really funny. I've never heard anybody else use this. It's like when he was young, he was fascinated by fire. And he's like, you know, you can go either way with that. That could that. be, that could know, be a yeah, problem. Right, 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 yeah. And he called him. He goes, most of the firefighters that he worked with were called pyrosexuals. <laughs> what? That's what he called. Mike's a genius. He's a funny dude. But he goes, they're pyrosexuals. They're fascinated with fire. Like, they love fire. Like, I mean, I, I guess you have to have, Michelle, kind of clue me in on this. Gonna, you have, have to have, have to somebody, like, when you were young, were you like, oh, my God, like, you know, it's a fire. That's, I mean, because. You know, you, you're on the outside. You obviously didn't come from a firefighting pedigree, as you told us. Your father was completely opposed to that. Like, be the midwife. Um, and like, how did you like get this? Like, I'm going to do this. Like, were you fascinated by fire? Were you fascinated by medicine? Were you just like, yeah? That's you know, a, that's a very easy answer. So I went to um, uh, driver's ed class, right? Um, just a couple of years ago. And um, there, <laughs> yeah, right, right, there right. was a guy on my department. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was a guy on my department who um, started this seatbelt safety class. Mm -hmm. And so they put us through this class and, and it was, and people I work with now, they come in with like backboards and everything that you would need in a big traumatic accident. Mm -hmm. And they show pictures and where everybody was like, Ooh, I was like, Oh man, this is, mm -hmm. this is, awesome. look at this. Right, right, right. So that's when I was done. Like I even wrote a letter to myself. Like I was done after that class. So really? yeah, it was the paramedic part. I think that, um, really uh, brought me into the service. Um, mm -hmm. and then I went to fire school and to see, 
to see fire and realize that it really is this living, breathing animal. And Mm -hmm. there's so much that goes into understanding fire Mm -hmm. and the way, you know, colors of smoke and how smoke emits from a building. And, and it just, it's, it's just a fascinating, it's just a fascinating thing uh, to be a part of. And, and, and it's something that's much bigger than you. Right. Right. Um, Absolutely. So both aspects, fire or paramedic, it's just, it's bigger than you. It's what can I do to help other people has always been something for me. Uh, so paramedics brought me in. Fire fascinates me. And then you get, when you do both, you're like, how do I get off this box and onto a fire truck? Cause this paramedic stuff is for the birds as you get older. <laughs> right, <laughs> like I'm right. good with people coughing on me. I'm good. So, um, so down I, in, in Florida, do you, when you started, you said, do they do, it's like, do you get the, um, what are they like with the police where you get certified and then you can go around to any agency? Is it like that kind of process? That's how it works on there. Yeah, it's department to department. My department okay. sometimes will hire uncertified, but I, I got fully certified on my own and, and it opens up your opportunities. So, yeah. okay. Right. So for our listeners, so they understand so you generally do EMT first and then you don't get to do the fire stuff until an agency actually picks you up. Cause like, I imagine like you just can't go around starting fires and say, Hey, look how good I am. You know what no, I mean? I don't know how to put this know. out. Right. No, no, you can't do that. No, that's no. I mean, that's one career choice. Right. But uh, no, it, it's really going to vary department to department. Either way, most departments will put you through some sort of recruit training because you have to be, brought up to their policies and procedures and their operating procedures. So, um, but I work for a very large department. So mm-hmm. if they can hire me fully certified and put me out to work, it's advantageous yeah. for them pocket wise. Right. And um, so, you know, and I had the initiative to do it. So I was grateful for that. Right. When you, when you got picked up, did you get picked up with, were there a lot of females doing it or were you kind of solo in your Academy or whatever it was you went through? Um, I had two other females when I got hired. One mm-hmm. of them, you lose a lot of weight in the fire academy mm-hmm. um, between stress and working out and what it, studying and not eating. And mm-hmm. um, so this one girl, poor thing, bless her heart. I hope she got another job. Um, she she just could not. She lost so much weight. She couldn't pull the hose anymore. Really? So, um, yeah. So um, she was the That's one what she that, said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what she said. I had to do it. Like this. Oh, yeah. See, that's the rivalry. Like me yeah, say, hoes. Like, like, hey, but we'll get into why. Like I do that later. But anyway, um, now when you were like, okay, I really love the medic side of the house, and that, that seems like, I, I don't know. Like when I look at it from what you all do, like the fireside does, I go, a human is like a machine. It's like it works, and this is the thing. It's a pump, and if I do this, I can fix that. Some of the things, and, I, and it was really fascinating to me on that level. And then I was like, I watched them with fire, and I was like fire is merciless it's like it doesn't i mean it okay you can put water on you like the fire triangle and all that interesting shit you guys go on with all that stuff it's like a fire oxygen fuel you know i just like to point out that all cops have like fire extinguishers in their trunks so before you start talking about fire triangles just know that in every cop the reason why you carry gloves and fire extinguishers is because there's a firefighter waiting to come out it's waiting to come out it's screaming to come out (laughs) screaming to come out to sit in a barco lounger Mm -hmm. and uh anyway (laughs) and eat chili and be in a calendar somewhere. You know what I mean? Everybody finds me incredible. The only, it's like, do you hey, automatically don't become attractive? Mustaches. Mustaches. Yeah, mustaches. When do I get the Dalmatian, bro? <laughs> <laughs> but, but the fire aspect of it, when were you like, like even in training, it's got to be like, holy crap. I mean, this is it. One, it's as hot as they say it is. You it's know? hot. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, no firefighter is going to go to hell because they live through it. 
What? No, I'm saying no fire. But I mean, no, it's like it's like fire is scary. I mean, it really is. It's unforgiving. It's worth like people say to you, like, what's the worst way to go? And I ask firefighters, like, of the things you've seen, what is generally the worst? They're like people that survive severe burns, it's so painful, it's so rough. And you guys are like dealing with both sides that like there are potentially victims in here. It's like completely toxic and horrible. And it's like super, super hot. And by the way, you got to wear all this crazy heavy shit when you're doing it. Like tanks and turnout gear and stuff like that were you ever like oh oh this is what they meant like you know scott and i went like our first right out of the academy went in field training we were doing a building search and i remember we like had our guns out and we're doing the building search and we're looking at you like oh shit this is for real yeah we didn't quite realize that it's like for real and the fact is that almost every call you go on that has to do with an alarm is just an alarm and it's not because there's a bad guy it's because the florist forgot to turn the alarm on for the place that we searched. I, I bet you forgot about that. Didn't you, Scott? I did not. <laughs> that is that is. Yeah, no, I 100% remember textbook that. That clearing kind of, of that of building, by the way. But I thought to myself, yeah. Hey, well, we're in this, we're in the middle of it. And then nothing came from it. But like when you're in the fire side, you're like, you're in the middle of this and there's something really bad happening. Like somebody's really sick or somebody's really hurt or there's a damn fire. Like, it, like did that dawn on you? Is it as, as it is insightful as it was for us searching a, vacant flower shop? Um, I don't know that I ever experienced that. I think that we practice like we play so much that Mm -hmm. it becomes this almost muscle memory to go Mm -hmm. through it. Um, and, um, I don't know that I ever, I ever experienced that. It was just like, what can I do to take care of myself, but to make sure that this gets resolved. Um, and, uh, you know, we're also, um, different construction down here. we have hurricanes, so we don't have wood frame structures. So firefighting down here is very different very than different, it is, yeah. um, you know, when you have a wood frame structure, I mean, that fire is going to move, it's going to move up into right, attic spaces. Right. We don't have basements down here. Right. Um, and so my experience in, you know, a concrete structure where fire gets very compartmentalized is very different than up North. So right. um, I, and I don't want to compare the two because I don't know what it feels like. But I I never really had that overwhelming, oh, man, this is real. Because I had done so much training that when it happened, I'm like, let's do this. Yeah, It's interesting that you say that because it makes me think of like, you know, I came to South Carolina and people are different. Everybody in South Carolina is like, they're a freedom loving people. And everybody is like, you know, the police are cool, but we're still kind of rebels. You know what I mean? Like it was a cultural difference. Like people in Illinois are used to a little bit more oversight and getting in line and paying high taxes and having good roads. And, you know, Boy, you wait, really are. Good, did you say good roads? Illinois. Right, right, right. Did you uh, say good roads? Well, better roads. Let me put better roads. Let me put that, oh. put it that way. And you like, it's like, oh. it's, and well, the way you just described that, I'm sure fire has figured out a way to make it really challenging in Florida. It's like concrete buildings probably turn into like ovens faster or something. You know yeah. what I mean? And, like, and if a structure falls, it's, oh, it's just, it's concrete too. So that's, that helps. You know what I mean? So it's, it, it, I imagine it's just as its own set of unique, like we yeah. deal with the personnel, you guys have to deal with like code and all of these other things. You know, one of the things that I've noticed lately, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, is that what I worry about with COVID and how this lockdown was all occurring, were there not a lot of things happening reference to that? Cause it seems like every day in my feet, I'm finding something where a fire where people were like, actually they're dying, they're perishing in fires. Like, and not just one or two people, like a lot of people, like apartment buildings are burning because maybe inspections weren't being done and things like that. Was that, 
the case with like fire service. Like, and again, you're in Florida. So like you guys were like, what's COVID? You know, you get on here, like you say, it's like talking to somebody from Mars. But I mean, how is that? Like, how, how is that process going on? Like right now, are you seeing like things differently on the ground because of the lockdown or is it just the same old, same old? As far as fire inspections and things uh, like that? Just like things in general. Do you, do you think there's any like things we should be concerned about with, you know, when you shut down society, things just don't get done. Like you're seeing yeah. up in other parts of the country, like yeah. we're back open. Nobody was really checking these things because no one was required to go to work. And I wonder if that's going to have an impact in now things it's related a, to. It's a really good question. I don't know if COVID is the biggest impact. It, you know, we had Surfside collapse um, right, right. this yeah. summer. Oh, um yeah. And that um, I, I think that that final report came out and, you know, there were people negligible for all kinds of things. Um, mm-hmm. I, don't, I, I don't know how much COVID affected that. I think COVID affected more how people relate to society. And it certainly affected first responders as it mm-hmm. pertains to um, vaccine, vaccination mandates. Like mm-hmm. you want to talk about the mental health consequences of that in public service. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We can yeah. we can dive down that rabbit hole. So right. um right. we did know. we did that with a couple shows. We did that with one with a, a police lieutenant from Chicago. And you know, the I, I don't know whether the fire side was fighting it like the police side was, but the police side was kind of standing athwart it and saying, No, you shouldn't make this mandatory. You know, we've been out here working and we're not dying in droves. I mean, people have perished because of it. People have died in the police service, at least. Um, I'm not sure how it impacted the fire side, but was that common for the fireside where people were like, nah, we don't need this or we don't think it should be mandated at least. I mean, you guys know way more about medicine than we do. Um, so in Florida, uh, we had a couple of departments that were, um, their government, you know, County government and stuff were pushing mandates. So they started this operation freedom, freedom of choice, which you can find on Facebook has become like this movement. Um, and really, you know, fought back to the mandates, some departments were threatening to lay off a couple of hundred people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we felt in Florida. Um, thank goodness. We have a, a very strong governor and a, a, his wife who is just abundantly supportive of first responder mental health. And, um, you know, he was, he backed us 100% of freedom of choice. Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't the same across the country. I have friends that were battalion chiefs that left their job after 12 or 13 years. I had, really, yeah, just to not get vaccinated. And, um, you know, I, I heard all kinds of stories from in California of mm-hmm. just the, um, the anger and the, what was generated because of this, you're making me choose my, my livelihood or putting yeah. something in my body that I don't want there. Right. And, um, the mental health consequences of it have been just, just terrible. So how, how did you get into, that's the next thing I wanted to ask about. How did you, you're very involved with the mental health related stuff. What got you involved with that part of it? How has it, you know, what have you done with it? What, how has it helped you with your own career with other people? Where is that going? It's a long story. Uh, I'll try to keep it short. Um, so my ex-husband lives with post-traumatic stress disorder. So I have all this lived experience with someone that I I really would care. I I would prefer not to have, but I do. And, Mm. um, in 2016, I went through some really bad issues, uh, politically in my department. I got sucked up into something that even till this day, I have no explanation for. Mm. Um, and, um, I'm, I'm going through this 
this, I mean, it was just awful without getting into great detail. Uh, the point is, is that um, I started suffering a lot of mental health consequences because of it. Mm-hmm. And my ex-husband lives with PTSD and I'm like, dang, I'm really feeling a lot of the same symptoms that he does. Yeah. But when you look at PTSD, PTSD is a fear-based response. Like your life has to be in danger mm-hmm. to develop, develop PTSD, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I, my life wasn't in danger. It was my livelihood. And it was just this having been an explorer for so long, then you get to 2016 and the Kool-Aid that you're drinking is just all of a sudden real bitter. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, I started talking to people about my experiences in that process and realizing, um, people around me want to talk about it and they want to talk about what someone that has lived experience with it, not necessarily a therapist. Um, and then I started going down, um, the understanding of what moral injuries are and what it is to, have uh, someone in authority or to respond to a call, either one that challenges your morals, the morals that mm-hmm. you were taught from a childhood right. all the way through your rookie school and to watch the violation of things like that. Um, it, it, that's where I'm at now in this short story. Um, I also um, started the family section of the Florida firefighter safety and health collaborative because um, as a, a former army wife and someone that was living with someone with PTSD. Um, I, I didn't have um, support. I didn't have anyone mm-hmm. who knew what I was living. Right. And I found this amazing group online um, called the military veterans and caregiver uh, network. Um, and it's through the red cross and it's just the caregivers who meet and just have this safe space to talk and connect. And I sat in that meeting for two hours the first time, didn't say a word, closed mm-hmm. my computer and cried for two hours wow. because the alleviation of burden mm-hmm. to just have someone that, that, that could identify with right. what I was living and hiding for so long right. was the release was incredible. Um, mm-hmm. And I wanted to pay that forward. I think life is full of opportunities to pay right. things forward, and and so that's what I did. Well, you know, like cool. you said, it's a positive for your own. It's a positive yeah. for your own. Right. Health, I was say, it's to cool to that you like with that stuff. Climb that mountain and figure that out. Like when you're going through these things, you think you're alone. Like and and then you meet people, and you're like, oh my god, it's like if I don't know this sooner, maybe this wouldn't have been such a long journey for me. But it is also to your point. It is so character building to go through something like that and be down and then up. And then we talked about this before the show started, Michelle and I, um, before I mispronounced her last name. Um, and uh, she corrected me on it. And she you owe me for that. Yeah, I she heard you're buying dinner for that one. I totally, totally. Uh, it's <laughs> going to be a red, salary. It's yeah. going to be because you're in Florida. It's, I'm gonna gr- go all it's out. Grubhub. It's, Grubhub. It's gonna, no, it's going to be Red Lobster Grubhub. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. I'm Jewish. Is that why you said that? Because you know I don't eat red lobster? Wait, no. Is that the rabbit hole oh, we're yeah. going down now? Yeah, I didn't know you were Jewish. Oh, I did. You did tell you me that. Did, That's right. You did, right. No, yeah. she's, but she's not just Jewish. She's Israeli, which is like, you know, I mean, like, I... I I'm I, I'm 23 man, like 5% Jewish, but I think everybody in the world is, aren't they? Like everybody's like that Askenjani Jew or whatever Jewishness that's whatever. It's really kind of cool. I thought I could claim. Wait, what what did you call it? What kind of, like, what did I, you I read it. I was like, what is this called? Ask, ask, like, 
Somebody <laughs> can totally call me out on this, but there's like a Ashkenazi. percentage of Jews. Ashkenazi. There you go. Oike Volt is. I'm Oike Volt Jewish. Um, and before but, this is over, Sean's going to give you some kind of history lesson. Right, I guarantee right. he's going it's to like, somehow. Yeah. I'm like bring that episode of Zelig. I'm on that episode of Zelig where I'm actually turning into a rabbi right now, and I'm like, yeah. the reason we celebrate the Passover holiday. All right. Anyway. You know what? <laughs> Let's get back on track here. <laughs> but her parents are Israelis. Like she was telling me, this, I'm like, get out of here. <laughs> like, I mean, because I'm going to be honest with you. Let's just be sharing with each other about our profession, first responders. Uh, you don't run into a lot of people that are, are Jewish or, you know, of Jewish faith or, or Israeli. I mean, you don't. I mean, it's just not culturally. They do it all in Israel. It seems like everybody serves in Israel. You know what I mean? But like, like. I, I tried to do that. I right. did. Right. I came to my parents after high school. I'm like, I'm totally moving to Israel. I'm going to do this. But my mom's brother was uh, actually a medic in the Israeli army. Um, oh, yeah. And he was killed in the Yom Kippur war. So, and oh. then my mom was like an only child at that point, And it just yeah. was like way too triggering for her. And I was like, yeah, cool, right. I'm just going to hang right, out. Right, this right. can't be that right. stressful. So right. that's why I couldn't be a banker. <laughs> <laughs> Just my anyway, I remember that I felt anyway. All right, um, but you know the thing that I, I found fascinating about it was like you know when you have a rivalry, what you find out in the end is that you actually have a lot more in common with people yeah. than you think. And like for me, and I'm going to tell you, I the coolest thing that happened in my career is when we finally started hanging around on a regular basis with the firefighters, and we brought them on our SWAT team as TEMS medics for tactical emergency medicine, and. It, you know, you do the job for a while and, you, and you're like, oh, yeah, you think it's going to go a certain way. But then you as a cop, you put out of your mind, like, if I get hurt, what would happen to the mission? And, you know, when it dawns on you, you're like, wow, we've been running around without this. Like, basically, I, I used to tell people, like, when you have a Thames medic on scene with you helping the police, it's like you just got a boost to your benefits package. Your medical benefits package just went through the roof because it's like, if something happens, it's either going to be so bad that no one humanly could do anything about it. Or I stand a significant chance of survival. And from personal experience, when you have that in the back of your mind, it clears the field for doing things like why we don't work more with these people. And I was like, you know, I'm being kooky here when i say this because firefighters be like we'll never do that but like if you could run around with a medic in your car all day you'd be like most of the calls we go to are medical related in some way shape or form i mean we're, we're parking in the wrong spots on you guys and blocking the fire hydrants and going in on fires and putting them out with our fire extinguishers too quickly because which is so not cool by the way yeah, right yeah exactly um <laughs> talk about like totally like well anyway i'll leave it, it yeah. um but it's like it clears the field and you start making better tactical decisions when you're not living in the fear of, well, I got to rely on this other cop that doesn't know Dookie about how to patch people up. Now we practice it and we've gotten a lot better at it at like the medics constantly cracking the whip on us and, and, and all my medics. Yeah, because what back, do we do before that? We, we, it was you, like, we would train hey, and we'd hey, say, hey, right, I got, well, you got to drag your buddy out of here. If something happens, if you, you do you know, like, if he gets what? shot, we're going to do like right, some right. Un under the shoulder right. or under the armpits, like carry and right. get you out of right. here. But wh when are you actually really going to get, how quickly are we going to be able to get you some medical treatment? And or then, when your buddy's putting a tourniquet on you and you're like, oh, are you, 
Are you having sex with my wife? Not you. you. No. Die? Oh you die? Are you? You want me to die? That's what he's just saying, guys. Like, are you? Are you like hot for my wife or something? You want me to die here? Because that is the worst application of a tourniquet I've ever seen in my life. And the guy's like, "Whoa, what do you want, man?" Like, and because they don't do it every day, we don't think like that. We would have scenarios where guys are like, "All right, we got a bunch of people in this room that are hurt." All of a sudden, every cop wants to guard the door. <laughs> and there are people in here like, well, we got seven guys guarding the door and there's seven people in here dying. And then when it's finally started clicking is because we started training with the firefighters and the firefighters are super smart about it. Because when you think about most tragic incidents, by the time the masses show up to help, most of the active killing is over. And it's really coming down to how are we saving people's lives in the process? Right. And yeah. We were terrible at that for the longest time as a profession and, and we've progressed. And the fact that we work more with you guys now, it's it, it's one, it's taught me you guys are smart, but just as ignorant as we are about things like in society. <laughs> like, I mean, like I, I firemen know right, hazmat. Right. They know like, oh, you don't want to do that because you're going to die <laughs> real quick, way faster than getting shot. If you do that, like I was on a weapons of mass destruction team with these guys and our heroes on that team, no bull. Were the, were the medics because they would teach us about, well, chlorine's not real good. It's just, it's not just for your pool. It can kill you like real fast, you know? Yep. And it was like, and they were super smart about these things and we'd mission plan around them. And they would tell us, here's how long you're going to be in that huge cumbersome suit doing CQB. Here's how long you have to, if you get shot in this area, these are the potentialities. This is distinctly survivable. If you do those things. And like I said, it's cleared the field. And like when we would do even training without them, we'd be like, we're the medics. Like, wh wh why are they not here? Why, why are they not, wh you know, wh what is going on? And, and like I said, I, it was probably the biggest turning point in my career that I was like, well, I'm so glad that we ended up, you know, partying with these guys that used to be what we, in gals for that matter, we used to think we're our enemies. It, it was really kind Michelle, of fun. Do you, do, do your, do firefighters cross train with police down there? Anything? Like yeah. That? My department. Um, yes, we have SWAT medics that work with, um, the, the County police department. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they love it. Right. And we do standbys with you guys all the time. Um, and you know, when you talk about rivalries at the end of the day, um, we have each other's backs, right. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. whether you're SWAT medic trained or not, um, mm -hmm. very much there for each other. Um, when, when the shit does hit the fan. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, but the rivalry is healthy to a point that we can keep our jobs separate. But uh, <laughs> right, right, um, right. because if not all of you would come to us, right? But um, in, <laughs> wow, um, it's true. Um, but in any case, <laughs> uh, we do have SWAT medics down here that cross train, um, and so we're grateful to have them as part of that team. Mm -hmm. Do you? Uh, in at least your your agency, are you allowed to just do strictly one, or do you have to do it all? Like you, you mean fire, fire and medic? And, yeah. Yeah. So we're a fire rescue organization. We're not fire and rescue. So mm -hmm. we're, we're all encompassing. So you're like when you were a little kid and you got that toy for Christmas, that was way cooler than the cop car you got. Cause like the fire Again. rescue like, got you the really cool toys and stuff like that. Right. Again, I, I'm Jewish. So I skipped that, that Did we go Santa Claus that? thing. Wait. If you wanted to put <laughs> right, salt right, in right, that right, wound, right, right. totally cool. Hey, there you go. Look at him. He's a big boy. Um, the, it's a girl. Uh, it's a girl. I got that wrong too. If you tell me Sean, that dog is, it's another swing and a miss. Is, yeah, right. If you tell me that dog is Jewish, I'm I'm gone. I'm not, <laughs> not, yet. Not, yet. not yet. All right. Not yet. Well, thanks everybody for coming <laughs> today. And, uh, we're gonna uh, have that to, was your dog. Sean's gonna have to wrap it up there. Screen. Hopefully, we can drop this out there on the internet so people can see that I'm not lying. And it looked like a boy dog from the head. I mean, come on, he's a your mom. 120 pounds. Right, right, right. But we were talking about like 
the idea of, you know, people think like when you're in the police world, you think just only cops experience like trauma, like PTS, like those kind of things, like, Hey, we, we see like terrible things. And, and you, and as I got to know medics, it, it changed my perspective yet again. And I was like, Oh man, that would be way worse because you are there to help. And you think you can bring someone to that level, that next level care. Like we're completely relieved when we're done doing CPR, like, cause you guys show up and you got yeah. all the cool toys and all that shit. Like you were like, whew. But like when you're working somebody, I imagine that is in some ways even more impactful. Cause like, if you go to a, a you know, we've all been Adam homicide scenes, domestic violence scenes, things like that. You're like, this is kind of already done. There's not much mm-hmm. I can do. It's tragic. It's awful mm-hmm. from what I'm seeing, but like you guys oftentimes will bring whatever it is to you. Like there's still maybe a chance and like, you're, like that's when you guys hit the ground running. And I imagine it must be difficult. Uh, I mean, am I right in that? I, I've been yeah, a, no, absolutely. I'm so- 0 for 2 on the Jewishness and the dog. And, so I'm <laughs> and, I and got the dog's way. gender. Right. And the dog's let's, gender. Let's right. try the next. Right. At least there's an easy dog. Right. So first thing, yeah. First thing what you said in, uh, to me, first of all, you, you had a big resiliency statement in there. And I don't know if you if you recognize it, but your ability to say, you know, what's done is done here and there's not much I can do. That's mm-hmm. a big that's a big resiliency statement, Sean. So good for you on um, on I'm being com- able I'm to coming back, things. baby. I'm yeah. coming back. Yeah. So good we'll for take, you, we'll Sean. Take, good yeah. for you. Yeah. Everybody snapped. You did, you did it. You did it. Yeah. Yay, Sean. Yay. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but really it's, it's, it's resiliency is a huge thing. Um, as far as, um, having the training to save somebody's life, again, you're, you're talking about a moral injury, um, not necessarily a traumatic injury. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you go through medic school and every time you do a cardiac arrest, oh my gosh, the patient lives. And, yeah. you know, we don't right. really train you to deal with what happens when the patient dies. And they're not all going to live. And you may do it textbook and they're not going to live. And that goes against the morals of what you've learned. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you start ruminating on those thoughts and you start, um, it's, it's a lot, a lot to deal with on a, a moral level. I have the training to do this, but the outcome w- did not yield what, what I did. And um, those losses are, are hard, especially when you start identifying with those groups. So you mm-hmm. talk about... Uh, Children for some people. Oh my goodness, this dog. Um, children for some people. She's a monster. Um, she, she's a puppy, by the way. Oh my gosh, um, yeah, I could tell by she was gnawing on your arm like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> like that treat launcher thing. Sean could hit a button and then it like kicks a treat out. Right, right, right. Oh, well, it, uh, <laughs> the dog only likes kosher meat stuff. He's chewing on her arm. There you go. Is I'm here. I'm back. Yeah, so here there you go. go. <laughs> um, wait, what is it? The Tim Watley line? Like, oh, it's 3,000 years that our comedy sustained us. 5,000. But anyway. <clears throat> But it's it's uh, it's it's very hard to deal with those losses, and we tend to deal with them in silence um, because we don't want other people to think that we're weak for thinking about things like that. Is, and- is it, for that point, real quick, sorry to interrupt, but is it tougher because you're like we can go retreat back to a squad car and be on our own and kind of like guys say I broke down in the car. It was like so hard, it was tough to deal with. But I'm alone, and it doesn't show a sign of weakness. Is what we all talk about. In the fire service, because you're never really, you work a wagon with somebody else or you're working a crew like four deep and there's mm-hmm. a hierarchy, there's a lieutenant there, things like that. It's like, is it, do you think that that's like really hard, harder because you're in amongst people and you don't want to show it? Uh, it probably 
poses a bigger challenge, but the ability to be on calls with other people so that you can um, bounce things off of them and reframe mm-hmm. things that maybe mm-hmm. that you viewed wrong is really important. So regardless if you're by yourself in, in your cop car or you're with a group of people um, mm-hmm. talking about it, especially with someone either that was there or especially someone who's not going to judge you for the way you're feeling is the, right. is the best thing that you can do for yourself. Mm-hmm. Do you have a peer, do you have a peer support program there or, or something along those She's lines? It. Do the peer she support? is it. Not it, but um, we do have in Florida, um, the adaptive model is peer support, but any peer support team encompasses a lot of different facets. So it's peer Mm -hmm. support, SISM, we have um, canine peer supporters. Um, We have, we're so blessed also in the state of Florida that we, and you have it in Illinois, but um, we have um, UCF Restores. Um, and they're a 30 day intensive inpatient, um, trauma, uh, yeah, recovery yeah, program. Right. Um, okay. you have up in Illinois, you have, so Dan DeGrace, amazing individual. Um, mm-hmm. he was in Chicago. Um, he was a chief. He started the Rosecrans Florian program yeah. out in Rockford, oh. Illinois. So yeah. you have that program as well up there. Amazing program, yeah. amazing facility. Um, but so you know, we have these resources in our area um, um, that can help uh, build on peer support teams as well. So they've just opened. I mean, Florida Wistaki was on the show with us um, and uh, Hope for Heroes is down in, um, I think, in uh, Galley. Yeah, I got to go back to the show, but it's definitely in a beautiful Florida, Florida, where a lot of recovery things happen in Florida, like like progressive recovery things where now it's starting to spread. Those models are starting to spread to the rest of the country. Now you go to Indiana to a recovery place. That's cool that people are thinking about it, but it's not Florida. Florida, I mean, the weather here, right? So we don't have to deal with like doom and gloom. Like my understanding that winter, you could have like no sun for weeks at a time. Well, that's that in itself is a mental health challenge, right? Because of depression and all kinds. Florida, we don't, that's not a thing here, luckily. So right. it, you know, there's a lot of vitamin yeah, D. And, 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 yeah. Environmentally, it's just more appealing, which, yeah. which is helpful. I mean, that's, I mean, I know if I was really feeling down, I'd want to come to Illinois. To right. Make me feel. Yes. Better. Yes. I, I can't wait to get back. I really can't wait to get back. I'm going <laughs> to shovel snow for four hours. That'll yeah, right. yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Wait, what? Shovel what? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, the, the uh, you know, the, the merciful thing about it is that you actually have a heart attack much faster shoveling the snow, though. So it's like, bam, shoveling you're down. What? Yeah. Why are snow. you? Yeah. Right. <laughs> what are you talking about? Right. Why don't no, I have oh a snowblower. Yeah. yeah it's we, so we, good. We've advanced. You got to check it out sometime. You, don't you travel with that crew, that thing you do, that 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 uh, group? Don't you ever get in the cold at all, Michelle? Florida. Yes. Yes. It gets, it gets it's like what down to 60s. Time. Yeah. It must be rough. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. it was it's, 64 uh, today. I had a oh sweater. Oh my God. What will we do? I know. <laughs> get the North Face jacket out. Oh my God. Get out of there. Right. Right. Oh my God. Lungs. Yeah. The, uh, the polar bears are dying. You know what I mean? Um, but now when you were on the job for a while, is that when this kicked in for you or was it something you've always had with you? You knew from the time that in addition to just becoming a medic and a firefighter, you're like, I really want to stay within the realm of the mental health aspect of it. Or was no. it something that happened on the job? Oh, you talked about that, that incident. So I guess the thing that happened on the job, I guess the long story short is it doesn't always just come in the form of like what we see on the street. 
a lot of leadership and institutional things that only we as a very small sector of that community see can deal with. You have the pressures and the, and the things that Michelle described to you. But when she was telling me a story a little bit earlier, I, I, I never really thought about that. Like, I was like, oh yeah, you just completely just, it's like this thing that chips at you for years, like bad leadership and how you're treated by your own. Like, I mean, you know, find somebody that had a really messed up family that betrayed them. And you are, you, I mean, that's, you're like, okay, this is going to be a long session here dealing with this individual. And that's the same way it is with like firefighters and, 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 and police officers, because it's like, we're so unique. And then we're betrayed by our own in some level. It's got to be damning. Is that kind of, am I right in saying that? That's I mean, like spot on in what you're saying it, right? So failures of leadership, um, failures of, of people who are prescribed leaders in our organizations um, have severe consequences on the people that are told to follow them. So -hmm. you think of policing or or fire departments, they're all social constructs Mm -hmm. and we're told follow this. And then they go in direct consequences of the things that they're telling us, you know, not to do. And here they go. Um, Or um, unfair disciplines, right? Just to make an example out of you. Or how about vaccine mandates where I can put myself on a line for two years and get out there and do my, and now you want me to do what? Right. 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 Haven't yeah. I survived the worst of it now anyway? You know what okay. I mean? That kind of a thing. Right. So that, those- I, that's a thing. I think a lot of people struggled with that. That was the big argument. Like, wait a second, we were out here doing this, you know, and didn't, and we, we just were doing it. Cause that was our job. I mean, you knew the dangers of it. There's dangers with any of our jobs, but you were just out there doing it. And then again, you get people that's upsetting to them. Cause you're saying, wait a second, this is, I've been doing I didn't this my matter whole, my whole I, life. Apparently, whole, I mattered then, but I don't matter now. Like that was what I thought. Like, what? All of a sudden, you're going to say to us, "You got to do this," and we're like, well, "Wait a minute, where was this concern for me when it was really at its zenith, like the initial aspect of it?" And it really like made I think a lot of people that do what we do pause for a second and go, "Hold on," like you know, like this this is like really really damning to people like yeah. we talked about on that show 53 it was with lieutenant stash from chicago and we talked about how the mandates were having issues related suicide related issues to that because mm-hmm. of how people were like oh my god you know this is yet another thing yep. that i'm going to be judged for from my own organization and i've been out here you know not calling off on an understaffed agency for the last 18 months and now i'm saying I don't feel that's right. And nothing mattered. You were like, you're going to be laid off. And eventually that went away in Chicago, but I don't think that was universal in the country. Was it? What mandates or the mandates like for first responders and things like that. It wasn't, I I think it was like a state by state thing. Um, But, and I don't want to say that I'm for or against vaccines. I really think it's a personal decision. I'm not trying to impart anti-vax things here. Um, but I'm talking about the, the moral ram- ramifications of it's okay for me to put myself on the line for two years. And now you want me to do something that I, I don't feel is right for me. Um, right. You know, we're not forced to take a flu shot every year. Um, and and, and it know, was across a lot of professions. It was police. It was fire. It was nurses. Hospital, it was doctors. Yeah. yeah, it was a, a, v- a variety of those frontline people that are out mm-hmm. there you know, working for the community that we're, that we're struggling with that, that we're dealing with that. Yeah. And so you have people leaving their jobs after so many years, cause I don't want to do this. That's a, that's not threatening your life that you're going to die, 
but it's threatening your morals of, I can do this for two years and, and what, like it, it really, um, it really is a problem. And so uh, these moral consequences, when you look at research, and most of the research has been done in the military community, but when you look at moral consequences of things, um, it exponentially increases the rates of suicide. Mm -hmm. Um, Then now you associate it, let's say with policing, um, where you go to an active shooter and your life is actually threatened, right? And you develop PTSD. When you put those things together, moral injury and PTSD, good Lord. Yeah. Like, right. I hope right. someone and everyone has peer support programs that you follow up with those people because holy Bob. So, so let me, um, let me ask you this. The, I know that we, we've had a lot, we talk a lot about mental health, you know, whether in, in our jobs and just everyone's lives gen, in general every day. Mm-hmm. Do you think, do you think that people are getting more open to accepting the mental health, the, the, the treatment, talking about it, being more comfortable talking about it. Cause you know how it is in both of our professions. When we started, there was definitely not the same kind of yeah. uh, receptiveness yeah. to mental mm-hmm. health that there was nowadays. I mean, I, I can remember the first critical incident, terrible thing that I saw. And it was kind of like Sergeant brought us into a room. Hey, is everybody good? Or, you know, are we good? Anybody want to talk about, I mean, almost you, like you, you better like, be, you better be good. You know, right. Kind of right, yeah, right. Right. And, and no offense to no offense to him. It was just that's what they knew. That was, what that was our approach. Right, right. And yeah. so I feel like at least here and the people that we talk to and the people that we work with, I think it's getting a lot better. Do you think it's the same thing there? Yeah. I 110% agree um, that it's becoming less stigmatized mm-hmm. um, and people are becoming more willing to do it, but more importantly, um, we're providing them with the resources to do it where they don't have to come forward to anyone in their department and they can say, Hey, I need help. Um, so there's this amazing, um, uh, program that UCF started called redlinerescue.org. Um, and you can go on there and you can find a culturally competent clinician to talk to. Um, so, Someone is it strictly who, for firefighters then? Or firefighter paramedics? So, or is it- um, so right now, it's not strictly. You can go on there from any Anybody, sort of. Yeah. But um, Blue Line Rescue is going to come for police officers. Um, Green Line Rescue is going to come. Med Line Rescue is going to come. And then we're going to have a family one that comes to oh, really provide um, not just clinical support, but peer support. So mm-hmm. um so if you're in South Carolina, Sean, you're like, I don't want to, I don't want to talk to anyone around here because it might jeopardize my job. Well, I can go on to this website and I can find a peer supporter who doesn't know me from Adam, right. but is willing to have a conversation with me. Yeah. And you can link up with them based on different criteria because our background is a really big deal too, right, Sean, you were in the military, um, and so that is something to help you connect with somebody mm-hmm. as I'm well. Part, I'm part Jewish. Not even a little <laughs> bit. Now. Come on, you're Santa Claus. I get nothing like. But, but what, why is my why is my DNA lying to me? It tells me know. like or maybe twenty three and me is lying to me. <sighs> but they said I was like awesome. It means I get better grades now. What is yeah, happening? Yeah, what yeah, is I'm just this? saying like anyway. My, I would like, hey, listen, like, it's it's best to just let him go, let it run right, its course, right, right, right. let him let him it's get like it all it's, out, it's right. give him the rope, of, uh, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Give him, let right, him get right. it all out, easy, and then we'll we'll easy. we'll circle back in a minute. Uh, you know, we'll be good, we're good. <laughs> but can you give us that that website again? You you said it earlier. I want to make sure our, our guests hear that and understand. Can you go through that again? 
So the one that's up right now is called redlinerescue.org. Um, and on there, you can find peer supporters or clinicians that have been okay. through a clinician awareness class um, where we know that they've learned about cultural competencies in, tr- in hearing first responder stories. That's a big barrier to care, right? Mm-hmm. So you walk into a clinician's office and you start talking about doing a 360 at a fire. Right. And I started on the alpha side and I went to the Bravo side and they're like, what? And yeah, you've been a whole about? session. Right, 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 what are you right. talking about? Just get, and, get language and culture down. Right. 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 And then, yeah, right. okay. Then you need to jump the hurdles of um, the bad calls that you're on. Right. So you talk yeah. about, uh, you know, a pediatric drowning or, you know, an entire family lost in a fire or, mm-hmm. and so you're explaining it to somebody and a clinician and some clinicians are like, no, 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 I can't, I didn't even want to hear anymore. Some yeah, people right. will look at police or firemen and they're like, holy shit, I don't even know how you're functioning right now, right? Right, right. Um, right. Yeah. So yeah, right. How do we reduce the barrier to care and get someone who is prepared um, and trained to hear the things that first responders go through? And that's mm-hmm. um, to vet them and put them through a class. So redlinerescue.org is the one right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Blue Line Rescue is being built out as we speak. You know, okay. we have a class in Florida uh, with the Florida Firefighter Safety and Health Collaborative that we give. It's called the Clinician Awareness Class. You can go on the Clinician Awareness Program, it's CAP. You can go onto our website um, and learn about it. Oh, and by the way, if you want to come and take the class and be a trainer, trainer, we're all come and do it and we'll give you everything you need to mm. bring it back to wherever you are. And we have um, FDLE, you know, Florida Department of Law Enforcement that comes in. So we do fire drills and then we do active shooter drills with these clinicians. So they oh, really? can really feel. Huh, understand, right. Yeah. 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 And Talk we, about and understand it. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Like scenario-based training for clinicians. So they're like, yeah. oh, I can maybe put in the, in, in the idea. Like now, do you see that in the profession where, like, I mean, I'm talking the, the clinician side of the house. Do you see that? people are now getting into that realm of study. Like, you know, you know, there's families and children and things like that. Or is like, are people moving towards, Oh my God, there's a, such an untapped market like first responders for yeah. first responders. Like is, or is it just to, it's in its infancy. No, I think that there are some people who claim to be um, first responder experts. I don't know them. Some of them I do, and I might not recommend them. So I would definitely vet any sort of clinician that mm-hmm. I would look mm-hmm. at. But there are programs out there that um, uh, for people going through school that are first responder specific, like Nova Southeastern University has one. Um, you know, like I said, UCF has the UCF resource program there where they're mm-hmm. doing inpatient treatment. Um, and then there are also inpatient programs um, that have clinicians that have been working with first responders for a right. long time. So right. the Florian program by you restores here, even Florida house down here um, has uh, a first responder track of inpatient programming. So, um, you know, that's part of your peer support team's responsibility too, is to mm-hmm. be vetting these things, to sure. be providing you with these lists of things. Um, my union, they also will provide you from the insurance perspective of like what's available to you. Um, yeah, yeah. And so. Cause that um, worries people too. They don't know, like I want to get, maybe I want to get some treatment or I want to do this. Mm-hmm. I want to go somewhere good, but am I going to be able to afford it or what's right. covered by right. that? And 
That's important. And I mean, a big barrier. And mm-hmm. Florida does offer a lot of like really great resources for that. So, you know, the problem is, is insurance companies haven't really caught up to you. Oh, I'm at a PPO, I'm at an HMO, like what's covered, what's not. I really need this help, but I now have to wait to transfer like over to a different type of insurance that might not be conducive to my family right now. The world needs to catch up to this because we're having, I don't know if the fireside's experiencing this, but we're having a hard as hell time of getting people to want to do our work. There's a lot of things that are going on with that. And if society doesn't start understanding like how they took care of veterans, like, you know, Vietnam, veterans were treated poorly when they came home, things like that. There was a lot of bad things. They learned a lot from that. You, I mean, you got through it. You I did. Fine. I totally got through it. I totally did. It was my Jewish, it was my Jewish <laughs> faith. That got only slightly means here we are with the Jew but, thing again. I, 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 it's, but it's, it's, I'm fascinated by I, people I, that I, I, so, I got to throw an age joke like, in on them. I usually, I got to throw an age joke. When you're joke, a Catholic, but, you're not allowed to think about your faith. You just stand up, sit down, fight, fight, fight. That's all you do. But <laughs> Judaism is about discussing scripture. You can debate with your rabbi. Like you're not allowed to do that as what, some Catholics would probably tell me I'm crazy and whatever, but I like what I was always fascinated by when my, my, my friends that were Jewish were, they tell me, Oh, we discussed this. They understand scripture and Bible and whatever it was. I mean, there's things differently about them, but they're very like thinking like people and comes to faith and faith oftentimes is not about that. So that's what I'm fascinated with. And when I said I was 5%, I was like, that's only making me better. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> oh, I, when I heard that, I said, to my, I said that to my parents, I go, I'm 5% Jewish. I, what have you guys been up to? You know what I mean? Like that's my parents' fault. But it was you like really, it's it's really been great to talk with you about this stuff. And obviously, I mean, you you would be great to do a show live with, like in the same room. It would be like <laughs> we used to do them that way. Like we used to when we first started this podcast before everybody went to the four winds. Yeah. And like you're down in Florida, Chris is down in Florida. Let's we should do this down there. Like right, we should do so it by at, the pool. Uh, I don't condone well, like, substance use, but right, we could right, right, have a right, well, not at all glass of whatever it's, and it's good to be Manish- relaxed there's nothing wrong with being relaxed <laughs> not manoshevitz did someone say manoshevitz no i didn't not say me. that no not me i didn't no. say that oh oh, <laughs> but i actually go my synagogue is based in positive psychology so um it, it's called chabad it's like all over the place i actually mm-hmm. got this meme of like oh we made it to mars and look what they found first and it's this chabad on on mars and <laughs> it just it's funny, um, but it's just everything is based in positive psychology. Everything is right, a growth right, opportunity. Yeah, right. But I think that was one of the big things that also propelled me into mental health. Um, I was imparting a lot of uh, my ex-husband's symptoms, um, and it's not uncommon with the uh, caregiver. And someone gave me a book called A Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Oh, easy good read, read. Good read. Easy to read, short read. Yep, yep. But I remember sitting on the couch and in the middle of the book, I looked up and I'm like, look at this guy, like right. everything that he through. went through right. and he still can reframe it in his mind to find growth opportunity. Right. And, right. Um, even in was, that misery, like misery. even in the worst thing that ever happened to humans, at least in the modern era, let's say. Yeah. And when you read that, like you, when you come out of that, you almost feel guilty for complaining about some of the things you've complained about. Completely. Like, you're like, yeah. oh my God, this guy can find positive in anything, anything. And, and so and I say, started studying that. Um, right. Martin Seligman um, is one of the godfathers of positive psychology. Mm-hmm. And it really practicing gratitude in your life is one mm-hmm. of the greatest gifts that you can give mm-hmm. yourself. I started right. doing gratitude every night and every morning. And I started doing it with my daughter too. Right. And to see how she can find the good in everything right. is amazing. And you know, people ask me now, um, 
well, are you always this grateful? Are you always this happy? Yeah. You know why? Because I have a lot to be grateful for. Mm -hmm. And it was that book that fundamentally changed the game for me um, and my willingness to talk about my experience and my willingness to help other people. Um, If he could live through that, then you know, let's get this show on the road. So, yeah, right. And you know, it's yeah. great. It's like, we definitely started like batting up a level here, Scott, like with the Victor Frankl references. I'm like, Oh yeah, she's got to come back. She yeah. definitely has to come back. Yeah, I, read gonna, it though. Wait, I'm going to have to read a book. It's not I make that... sure I can still it's, read it. It's book. actually, you could probably get that. What would you say, Michelle? Probably in a night, if you really just sat down and it had is. To do it's that not book. a long yeah, read. It's, the, it's just like you keep reading because you're like, wow. It, I, I'm, I'm just going to tell you from my experience with it. I, I, I found it and I was like, what's this? Let me give it a read. And I read the, you know, the, the, the sleeve and I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to check this out. And I got through that thing. I got through that thing in a night, and I'm only five percent. Yeah, I, I'm and, just saying, and you're you know, a cop, right? And I'm a cop, so right? Good exactly. For you. Right. Wait, There's yeah. no pictures in here. Yeah. yeah. I will probably, I'll probably have to have Sean read the book and record it, and I'll listen to right. Sean right. read right. the book. Oh right. Lachaim, how's that? Is that good? Did I say that right? Did I do that right? Seriously, this was great. And Sean will pause every like portion of the book and kind of like break down something else, like kind of. But you know, when you grow up, where I grew up, you 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 think that like I, I knew so many people of the Jewish faith. I did. Like I knew them and I just, they were like so funny and normal and everything. And then when they came into class, you're like, oh, I guess I got to study now because they took all that shit seriously. They did. They were great. These guys all went on to be doctors and all sorts of things. So like my, 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 I was, where did fascinated. I go wrong? That's a whole but, separate show. No, <laughs> no that, that's not my point. My point of that is that you could have been a midwife. That, it's like, you, could have been totally <laughs> right. you have to wear a wig when you're a midwife though. She has great hair. She does. Oh you guys can see that she has great hair. Oh um, but uh, it's Majufro. <laughs> 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 the, the, can you give your agency and what you do traveling and talking to people about things real quick here so we can wrap this up and get, get on to another show with you someday? Yeah. So um so you can look me up on the Florida Firefighter Safety and Health Collaborative's website. Mm-hmm. Um, and if anyone is ever interested in discussing more about morals and the consequences and how they contribute to suicide rates, I am so open to that conversation. I have a class that we're producing um, alongside University of Central Florida to start addressing this issue and reducing those um, types of suicide rates and um, you know really um, getting people um, to gauge their moral compass, right? To get that compass back to North yeah. and be mm-hmm. able to take care of themselves, um, not just from trauma, but from these organizational and leadership things that are just crushing our people. Do you have a way of people getting hold of you directly or is there? Yeah, sure. So um, email is awesome. So it's M Fayed, F A Y E D. Yes, say that right. M Fayed. It's not my maiden name. So I'm like, whatever. Wait, at TSA.com. Oh, wait. Wait, hold on. I'm sorry. Start off. Oh, she's I'm the one that's lifting and spreading. Right, right. Yeah, she's going through the naked x ray right now. I go through the What? What? Yeah. Right. Start it over because Sean mispronounce your name let's just be clear so yeah, let's right. start over start fresh so make, make sure the m like michelle m say it m f a y e z at florida firefighter safety.org yeah 
Um, That's, uh, and don't bother her with things related to what we talked about. Rather, with things that are important. No. So this is very important. Okay. <laughs> this is really important. This no. was a uh, this was a and, great show. Uh, and just know, really fun. quick, let me plug it. Um, okay. We're big on first responder families and what mm-hmm. I do. And the first Thursday of every month, we mm-hmm. host um, uh, a peer support group for first responder families. So we bring That's on nice. an education person, mm-hmm. give mm-hmm. them like 30 to 40 maybe an hour of understanding some sort of mental health challenge that affects first responders. Then we turn the cameras off and it's only peer support, the ability Mm. to vent and to, to be amongst people that understand and, and police families. I mean, we all go through a lot of the same anxieties and things um, regardless, excuse me, regardless of what service your loved one is in. So the first Thursday of every month, month on zoom, 8 PM Eastern standard time, you can find the postings on our um, on our uh, Facebook page, free to sign up, join the conversation and help um, not only yourself, but your first responder to wellness. That's great. Well, I feel a whole lot less involved right now. So I'm really happy that you came on the show. I'm so happy that you did. Seriously, Michelle, like, I, like when I looked you up, I was like, hey, let's get her on the show to talk about like the great stuff she does. And you were such a great sport to, you know, like there's a phrase, like she, she doesn't weather fools lightly. You totally did. Um, and wow. you were so nice wow. to uh, talk with us. That's, that's not Scott. That's me. Um, it's not Scott's- fair when you self deprecate about being a cop. Like it doesn't leave room for me to like, we'll come, but we were so over, like, we were just like, so impressed with what you brought to the equation. It was like, really like, this was a maiden voyage for us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it was a lot of fun and we'd love to have you back. If you're willing to come back and talk about some other issues, you know, anything that's related to fire, um, firefighting, fire people, what, uh, or police people, because police we're all people. serving our communities. Right. And so right. how do we um, connect with those communities and how do we create wellness in all of our communities? Yeah, Cause we're in it together, uh, regardless. And in all fairness, I do, I do carry a gun in my purse. So uh, maybe, Maybe I need to start considering, you know, my next steps here, but, um, yeah. you know, in it together. I, and Sean, I, can, I Sean that. can run you through his training programs. Oh, make totally, sure everything's totally, up to par. Totally. Yeah. You'll be an honor student. I know. Right. <laughs> and I, um, I encourage, listen, if you want to shooting certain... via zoom, it's weird. It's shooting <laughs> via <laughs> zoom. It works, right? So you just, I think it's a couple of great new computers. So it's, it's <laughs> right, totally right, 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 right. <laughs> it's high speed. It's high speed <laughs> stuff. <laughs> totally is. But if but, you're, if you're, uh, in public safety, I really encourage you, uh, if you work in a certain district with firehouses, go get to know your fire people. Mm-hmm. We want to know you. We'll bring mm-hmm. you in for coffee and dinner and, um, you know, really create that connectedness so that we, when you're on a call, we really do have each other's backs. Um, and that's all through relationship building. So don't be shy. That's great. Yeah. Great. Thank, Thank you, very you much. for being our first firefighter on Woo-hoo. the show. It was a uh, great, yeah. uh, you're a great guest. We'd nice. love to have you back for more. Um, Scott, you want to take the outro? Cause uh, uncle Chris could never drop in. Yeah. I sure, I sure can. So again, thank you, Michelle. It was great talking with you today. Thanks a lot of good stuff. Me. Thank you so much thank for talking you. about the mental health stuff. It's important to, to a lot of people. So if you have any, in addition to all the things that, that Michelle, uh, put out there today, resources and things, certainly if you have any other questions and you're looking for somewhere to find answers, or you don't remember something that, or you had a a follow-up question to something else that we talked about today, feel free to reach out to us at three cops talk at gmail.com. That's the number three cops talk at gmail.com. We love to hear your questions, comments, and everything in between. And our, don't forget our website 
threecopstalk.com. That's the number, threecopstalk.com. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Be safe. <laughs>